This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everybody's staying warm out there. It is extremely cold today. Um, And, uh, you know, we're used to it to a certain degree. But, man, this is one of those days where you start to question just a little bit um, where you're living, why we do this every winter, why we go through this, you know, stretch of, you know, handful of days where it's just intolerable, but I'm sure we'll have one or two more this winter. But you're not here to hear about the weather, are you? You're here to here to hear about Minnesota sports and everything that happened in the last day, the last week, whatnot. So good stuff coming up today. Marcus Fuller joins me here in just a few minutes to talk Gophers men's basketball. Tough loss for them recently against Illinois. Illinois looking awfully good this season. Another impressive performance on Thursday by Kofi Coburn. So Gophers maybe should feel a little bit better about that, that it wasn't just them, uh, but a chance for them to bounce back Sunday at Indiana. Another tough test for them. Marcus has a lot of thoughts on where they're at right now in their season and gives an update on another project that he is working on. Mark Craig joins for the NFL Picks segment, last one of the regular season. Um, He agrees with me, the Vikings-Bears, not a very important game, contrary to what Kirk Cousins might say about it. But uh, some interesting games, some interesting matchups this week. Tough to kind of pick some of these games, given you don't know what level of rest certain teams are going to have. So um, pay attention to what he has to say and how he thinks Week 18 will go this year. But first, what did I miss? An eventful wild game, a lot of good, some bad. Um, The good, of course, they snap a five-game losing streak. They beat the Bruins 3-2. Matt Boldy gets his first career NHL goal in his first career NHL game, and it comes in front of a lot of family and friends not far from where he played in college. So pretty cool moment for him and an important one for the Wild. I mean, like we talked about with Sarah McClellan on Thursday's show, Matt Boldy and Marco Rossi did not get called up to spectate or play minor roles against Boston and perhaps going forward as well. They came here to play. They came here to help the Wild win, and they did that in a big way on Thursday. You know, Rossi had 16 total minutes, six of them on the power play. Boldy had 13 minutes of ice time, almost four minutes of that on the power play. So these guys got thrown right into the mix. It was a game with a lot of special teams play. So, you know, understandably they were, they were in that mix quite a bit, but uh, you know, it's a, this is kind of telling, this is a sign of the times. This is, this is the, these are the guys they're going to have to lean on in order to have some success in the wild like I said, snapped that five-game losing streak with the win. Still 20-10-2 overall. Still having a very good season. But their depth will be tested even more. Kirill Kaprizov goes out in the game after a hit that uh, Dean Evison, head coach of the Wild, took exception to. Let's hear from uh, let's hear from Dean Evison after the game as he reacted to. You know, as as he reacted to the uh, the hit uh, the hit on on uh, on Kaprizov um, near the boards, you know, it's one of those plays where it kind of looks bang bang at first, but Trent Fredericks sends him sprawling. It's a boarding penalty, and uh, he, here is Wild head coach Dean Evison on that play. Really frustrated with 
um, how Curl got hurt. Um, it's a predatorial hit. Like, it's it's the one that the league, we don't want that, right? I mean, the puck is sitting right there. Like, you know what he's doing. He's going to hurt our best player. There's no question that there's no intention. That is not a hockey play. The puck is sitting right there. All he has to do is take the puck and go. And he, he, he puts, like, in a vulnerable position, you hit a player from behind. It just, it's... We see it all the time, and it gets taken care of. I hope it gets taken care of here. You know, watching it back a few times, it looks it looks bad, but it doesn't look as egregious as I might have imagined it. But the the bottom line that that Everson was preaching is true. Kaprizov is in a prone position. He's in a very, you know, he's in a he's in a spot where if you go into him, you know, he's he's near the boards. The puck is sitting right there. You don't have to make a play on the body, um, and they did anyway. And that that part is troubling. It's not the way the NHL wants to play these days. So we'll see if there's any further discipline for Frederick coming off the hit. And we'll see what the extent of Kaprizov's injury is. Obviously, he left the game, was uh, you know, did looked pretty, pretty shaken up. We'll see, you know, what the long-term prognosis is, but the Wild already missing several key players. Cam Talbot is out, although Capo Kakinen played very well on Thursday in his place, getting that 3-2 win. Joel Erickson Eck is out. Um, you know, they're missing Jared Spurgeon. It's it's a lot of key players out. You add Kirill Kaprizov, their most important player, to that list for whatever amount of time it's going to be, and that is more adversity for the Wild to deal with. We'll see if they are capable of doing that going forward, especially as the schedule kind of is hit or miss here as several teams deal with COVID. So good win, but it came with a price, and we'll see exactly what that cost is soon. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Good to have Marcus Fuller back on Daily Delivery. Marcus, we talked not long before the new year, and then I took a little time off back now. And, you know, I think when we talked last, the idea was, you know, going to see a little bit more of what this Gophers basketball team is made of. Of course, Marcus, the beat writer at the Star Tribune for the Gophers men's basketball team, does a great job covering that team. And so I want to get your perspective from what we saw. We'll spin this forward in a minute here, but what we saw against Illinois when you know they lose 76-53, they, they can't find any answers for, for Kofi Coburn. Not many people can. Um, is this a a harbinger of of bad things to come, or is this just one of those kind of outlier bad matchup games? Yeah. First off, always great to be on here, um, especially when uh, my team is winning. But then now I'm coming off a loss for the first time, I think. So um, you know, it depends on what kind of fan you are. I mean, a lot of people, uh, Debbie Downers, you know, as soon as the team um, gets blown out or has a poor game, then you're saying, "Oh, this is what we always thought they would be." Um, so I think there's a lot of fans that took to Twitter and, you know, were bashing um, this team for that performance. But at the same time, you know, uh, we knew going in that they had a thin front court. We knew going in that Kofi Coburn had destroyed the Gophers in the last two games last season. You know, when he had, when he had 33 in one game and 23 in the other, and then they, they lost by nearly 30 points in both of those games. So I think that this is something that's a trend. Uh, that not necessarily is, is because they don't have a, 
a, a front court presence. It's because Kofi just does that to teams and also he tends to do that versus the Gophers. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, Ben would look at it and say, hey, we had the right game plan. You know, Kofi's going to get his points, but we wanted to limit others. Um, and I felt like, and he felt like they did that with uh, Trent Frazier, uh, Afonso Plummer, two guards for them. Um, you know, they're explosive guards. Uh, they shoot the three very well. And he was able to limit those players. You know, um, as much as we want to talk about Kofi, and certainly I did that with my game story, um, he's hard to ignore. But I think that there were some other facets of that game that, you know, if it continues, that they're really going to struggle to, to beat good teams in the Big Ten. You know, one of them was the, the, the shortage of uh, buckets they were getting uh, to spark them from Jamison Battle and Peyton Willis, who they've relied on in all of their big wins this year. And, and they just didn't have a supporting cast for those guys when they were struggling. You know, Sean Sullivan usually comes off the bench and gives him a spark. He was dealing with an ankle injury and he was struggling to score at the paint in the paint. And then, um, you know, and there's other guys as well. So I think that's part of what they need to figure out is, um, you know, if they don't, they're not getting much from their top two scores, you know, how can they, you know, when they have a defensive stretch where they're holding a team like Illinois is very explosive without a field goal for six minutes, can they, um, you know, capitalize on that and, and get back into the game? Yeah, good points there. It wasn't just Coburn, certainly, in that game, but that did not feel like it was a game that was that they were going to find their way back into, not with the way he was playing, not with the way, you're right, that Battle and Willis were both being held in check. So I guess the, the bigger question is, you know, that, that's a bad matchup for a lot of teams. Um, you right. know, Coburn just has NBA size, right now will be a high draft pick. Um, we can, we can, we can uh, debate on that one. (laughs) I think he'll be, he'll be a reasonably high draft pick. Don't you think? Yeah. Someone asked me that after the game. And I, I think that, you know, in this day and age in the NBA, uh, there are just not a lot of players like him, you know, you could, that could work in his favor, but in my opinion, it it doesn't, Um, you know, there, there has to be some areas of his game that can translate you know, to the NBA. I mean, you look at a guy and I love Daniel Turu and I think he still has a chance to be a pretty good uh, role player in the big, in big 10 in, in the NBA. Um, but his, his, his Daniel's three point shooting um, and his defense is what was going to allow him to, to be able to play at the next level um, as a big, because he put up big numbers in the big 10, you know, led the, almost led the league in rebounding and blocks and in points, but there was a guy named Luca Garza there. Um, so I think the Big Ten just has loaded with talent bigs. They're going to send a lot of bigs to the pros every year, but how do those guys make an impact at the next level? I think Kofi defensively, what he showed versus Minnesota, that can go a long way. You know, his rebounding, and, and then also he's got to have some kind of outside shot. Um, you know, I remember taking it back a little bit, but Ethan Happ was a player that really had his way with teams in the Big Ten in the post. He was different from Kofi, didn't overpower uh, opponents physically, but he just had a variety of moves like a Kevin McHale for this day and age. And he just didn't make it in the NBA because he didn't have an outside shot and he wasn't effective uh, defensively. And so I think if, like I said, Kofi can maybe stretch his uh, range a little bit and then become a better defender or more consistent defender, I think that's going to go a long way in the NBA, but they just don't go through the posts like they used to. I mean, it's perimeter oriented and he'll be on a team that, you know, he'll, he won't get the ball. <laughs> very much to, to do the things that he does uh, for Illinois, who they, they, they were feeding him pretty much, you know, every time down the court and they've got some good guards as well. But like you said, I mean, why go anywhere else when 
he can do anything he wants in the paint. So I guess maybe backing up, uh, maybe not a surefire, you know, high pick, but not going to see guys like that every night in the college game, even if the Big Ten has a lot of good bigs. I guess the question is, you know, how going forward, how many other teams are the Gophers going to see where they just can't physically match up in the front corner? Or or was this kind of just one of those, is this just one of those, you know, Kofi is going to be Kofi and that they should be able to find a, a better, more competitive game plan against some of these other teams, even if they have good bigs. Yeah. I mean, we know, like I said, going into this season before any game started that, that the Gophers were thin in the front court, they just, we're not going to be able to match up with most teams. And this is mid-major included um, with, if you have another uh, top level big with size. So they've had to find other ways to defend and they've done that before tonight or tomorrow. I'm um, sorry, Wednesday or Tuesday night. Sorry, I get mixed up with my games. Okay. The Gophers had a little layoff there and uh, there was 13 game, 13 games or 13 uh, days between games. And so I was a little off of my game a little bit, but if you look at the previous I want to say two road games that they won, um, Michigan and Mississippi State. Both those teams uh, were led by their their a, a pretty big post presence. Mississippi State had 6'11", 250-pound Toe Smith. Michigan had Hunter Dickinson with 7'1", 260. And both of those guys, um, you know, were, were pro-caliber players. The Gophers had a really good game plan versus Toe Smith. And, I, and it was, that was a weird one because he wasn't as aggressive especially early on, uh, and, and Eric Curry outplayed him offensively. Uh, versus Michigan, Hunter Dickinson had a really good first half. I mean, he, he actually played better than Kofi did, if you can imagine that, in the first half versus the Gophers. I think he had 14 or 15 points. And then in the second half, they had a different game plan. And really, the difference between Hunter Dickinson and Kofi is that really Hunter, not only was he frustrated with the Gophers, you know, defending him, double-teaming him and such, he kind of took himself out of the game as far as being a, a, a focal presence closer to the basket. You know, he was selling for jump shots and he was being more of a finesse. Um, and I think that is the big difference between Kofi and, and a lot of bigs in this league is, you know, they understand even the guys that have a huge presence that they want to be able to show the NBA that they can stretch the floor. And if teams are double teaming, they want to get out of that and they'll, they'll shoot jumpers or they'll just stretch it. And that's maybe not their what they're what they're best at. And moving forward, you know, you're, you're the only which is surprising. You know, you actually see a bigger presence than Kofi uh, down the road with Zach Eady for Purdue, who's seven foot four, two, nearly three hundred pounds. And there really is nothing like him in college basketball. Even Kofi looks like a, a, a child next to him. And uh, but that's pretty much it. You know, I think for the most part, the bigs that you're going to see other than Kofi and Zach Eady are more in the six, nine, the six ten range, but they're extremely talented, skilled. I mean, they're going to see one on Sunday with uh, Trace Jackson Davis, who um, is every bit of a, a first team, all big 10, all American candidate as Kofi is, but he just does it in different ways. And, you know, like I said, Zach Eady, Travion Williams is also at Purdue. Um, you know, it seems like every team has a big, and every night you're going to have to have a, a post presence um, to, to match if you're not hitting jump shots. And then I think that's one another, another big thing moving forward is, you know, if the Gophers, if they're forcing uh, you to be a jump shot team, um, then the Gophers are going to struggle. If they're not hitting because they just can't consistently 
go through the post. Eric Curry had a good game. You're not a great game, but he scored 10 points. If you get 10 points out of Eric Curry and you're hitting your jump shots, your offense is looking pretty good. But when you're not, you know, he's not the type of guy, you know, I, we all love the, the story, right? Him coming back from three major injuries and, and um, he's such a great guy and, uh, and a leader, uh, but he's just not capable right now of putting up 25 point type, type of games, you know, if you go through him in the post. And so I think that's where the struggle is, is, is where you're going to go when your jump shots aren't falling. So, you know, based on that, and we've been seeing, you know, we talked about this last time you were on, and I think the projections were still kind of of the same vein because they hadn't played that much since then, but still seeing the Gophers kind of popping up there as, you know, possible NCAA tournament team, seeing them in the net ratings, you know, somewhere in the top 40, um, which puts you in that, in that category. This is just one game. Um, does, does this one game kind of shift how we look at things or do we, do we need more of a, you know, again, like you're saying, there's some people who are like, well, here we go. This is the team we thought they were going to be. This is the first time all year that we've really seen, you know, evidence of a team that, that couldn't compete or that, that we thought wasn't going to be able to compete. And, right. you know, it was probably their best, best opponent they've played to date too, I would think, or at least close to it. Like, wh- where are you at now with your assessment of this team? And do we just need to see a little bit more before we can form, you know, form our big hot takes or do we, uh, you answered we... your own question. You answered your own question. Okay. I, I think it is too difficult to judge this game and just say, hey, this is who we thought they were. You know, I mean, because last year they got blown out by Illinois twice, but that team, if it hadn't gotten injured, they were top 20 team and possibly NCAA tournament team. You know, they showed that by being five ranked teams. So, you know, like I said, last year being blown out by Illinois didn't mean that, that the Gophers were not a good team. Uh, being blown out by Illinois this year doesn't mean they're not a good team. Um, I think, like I said, there's things that if they tra- if they carry over to other games, they're going to have a hard time being good teams. But and we already mentioned them. But the one thing that cannot happen, whether you play a good team or a team on your level, you know, or a bad team, is you cannot come out with the lack of energy and effort um, and spark. And there were times in that game where they just didn't have it. Like Ben Johnson said after the game, they just didn't have it. What, what does that mean? That just the juice, the energy, the, and they're at home, you know, and it wasn't an empty barn. I mean, they're, you know, they, they announced 10,000 seems like every night, but you know, it's probably half that there, but you know, there are people in the seats last year. didn't have fans in the seats. There's ways for you to, to get a spark, you know, and if, and last year they learned that even without fans, you could spark yourself from the bench, from just internally. And they just didn't have it. And so you can't, they're going to be, you know, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, including recruits that sign with the Gophers. They, they look at this team and they, and they understand. Everybody understands that they're not as talented as most teams that they play. That's just the, the fact, you know. I mean, even in mid, when they play mid-majors, there are some teams that, like Western Kentucky, they played in North Carolina. They had some dudes on that team, you know. And so it's just they don't beat you by overpowering you with their talent. They beat you by usually playing harder than you and executing and having experience. So when it comes down to stretch, they're making the right plays. And so when you don't do one of those things, they, they cannot beat a good team. They have no chance of beating a good team. If you don't, if the, if the, if the, if the team plays harder than you, they probably don't have a chance to win unless you're hitting all your shots. Um, you know, again, and if you're hitting all your shots, you're probably feeling good and playing hard. But I, I think that they just cannot have a team beat them in the effort category. 
And uh, and Ben Johnson saw that and he was just shocked because he, he felt like that this was the first game all year. And yeah, you can say, oh, yeah, it's easy to say because they got blown out. But even before that, he said they, they got within seven points in the first half. And it was like they were down 20. They just didn't look like a team that that knew they were good enough to come back or they just had the fight to come back. And, you know, they, they were down on themselves. And I don't know if it was just because of the break. You know, they had 13 days between games and there's Christmas break in there. And, you know, guys were away with their families and, and what have you. And then they thought they were going to play a couple games and one can't, got canceled and another got moved. You know, it's just it's a different deal. These guys have been dealing with it with COVID. But, you know, this year they, 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 they're 10 and one and everybody's talking great about them. They went on Christmas break and then they came back and then they had to deal with the, the with a little, uh, you know, break between games there. Yeah, no, that's all. That's all good perspective. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens Sunday at Indiana. Um, that'll be a good test for them as well. See if they bounce back, see how they play. Um, Marcus, final thought for you, debut of your basketball across Minnesota uh, feature this week. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. What's the, what's the idea with that? What was the first one? Uh, what did the first one entail? Yeah, something that um, I'm I'm super duper excited for. I feel like, you know, Chip Scoggins, our columnist, uh, does an incredible job with his columns. But then we brought something new to the table this year with his football across Minnesota column, fam, and he just blew that out of the, out of the park and and knocked it. Just knocked my socks off and everyone. I think every week, you know, it's going to be a tough act to follow, but. Even before his column debuted, I thought about, you know, writing something about basketball. Um, it's just not about the Gophers all the time. You know, there's kids across country that are playing well from Minnesota in college and in, in the NBA. There's also so much basketball at a high level being played in the state of Minnesota. I always call it the state of hoops. You know, we always call it the state of hockey, but I say the state of hoops. And I, and I use that hashtag like every time. You know, I see a kid playing um, outside of Minnesota. And then when I see, see people talking about people playing well here in Minnesota in basketball across the state, I say, hey, it's the state of hoops. And, you know, basketball across Minnesota would be my column. You know, obviously trying to <laughs> trying to make sure I, I, I use some of that. Uh, so some of that good, good credit that, that uh, Chip got from fam. From fam to bam. Fam to bam. Yeah, pretty easy transition there, right? Yeah, I um, like it. So the first column, you know, um, I'm doing it on the Brown brothers, um, mainly Kendall Brown from Baylor. I mean, he's, he just took the college basketball world by storm, kind of like some of the other Minnesota um, high school superstars like Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs. But he did it with the defending national champion Baylor Bears, who are number one in the country. Um, he's a starter for them. He was leading the scoring at one time, but uh, now he's – He's kind of, you know, going through a little bit of freshman funk, but he's doing so well in um, making an impact for this team in different ways. And really, you know, a lot of people kind of, I won't say forgot about him, but they hadn't seen him for a while because he left the state of Minnesota as a sophomore or after sophomore year at East Ridge. He went to prep school in Kansas for two years and people just kind of remembered him being the man, so much potential. What happened to that kid? You know, and all of a sudden he shows up at Baylor and he's grown a few inches and, you know, he's just flying through the air and then doing what he always done, dunking the ball, but he's expanded his game and become an NBA prospect, maybe even a lottery pick. And on, he's doing it on the number one team in the country. So when you're doing that, I mean, you're, 
on the biggest stage. And Baylor looks incredible. Scott Drew does a great job there. So he, he gave me a little bit of insight on the Baylor culture, which I know a lot of people know, but just from a Minnesota uh, standpoint. And, um, you know, his brother, his older brother's at St. Thomas. <laughs> so it's like two different sides of the college basketball spectrum. You got the number one team in the country, defending champion. Then you got a first-year Division One program here in Minnesota. Um, so it's a pretty unique situation for the brothers. And Courtney's not playing right now. He's redshirting, but he's made a, he made a huge uh, impact on Kendall's life. And uh, it's pretty cool just to see because, you know, two kids that are went to East Ridge and I seen him play in high school. And I, I remember Kendall when he was in eighth grade and trying to find his way in high school. And all of a sudden now he's a potential NBA first round pick and on the best team in the country. So it's it's a good story. I'm glad I could start off with that one. And uh, there's so many other stories. And one thing like Chip's column, you know, I, I don't like to just keep it to one player or team. You know, I try to spread it around a little bit with some other ideas in the column. And you'll see some of that in there. And anybody has any input on, you know, other things down the road, you know, send me emails, messages on Twitter. You know, you can say I did a horrible job or I did a great <laughs> job. I'm going to still do I'm going to do what I do and, and have fun with it. So. I, I just, like I said, I appreciate um, Star Tribune giving me an opportunity to do that because I love covering the Gophers. I always have done it a long time, but uh, I always enjoy to talking about Minnesota kids that play at a high level uh, on the hard court because there's so many of them and, and they deserve mention too. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing where you take that. Hopefully um, my first one, very Good stuff. Sounds interesting to me. Hope everybody goes and reads that one and future ones. Those will be usually on Thursdays. Is that when they'll usually appear in Star Tribune, StarTribune.com? Definitely thir- uh, Thursday or, or Friday, depending on you know what I do with the Gophers. But again, I, I hope to have that every week and and you know kind of preview sometimes what's coming up and then also the the week before. Well, I look forward to that, Marcus. You do a great job covering college basketball, all sorts of basketball in this state, including the Gophers. And I'm sure we will talk again soon. Be well, and we'll, uh, we'll get you down the road. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Great stuff from Marcus, as always. And be sure to go check out, like we said, that basketball across Minnesota feature. Um, should be a really cool thing every week, very much like Chip Scoggins' football across Minnesota feature that ran during the fall. And we should mention, too, Gophers women's basketball gets its first Big Ten win Thursday um, 62-49 over Rutgers. Rutgers not a very good team, but a road win is a road win. A win is a win, especially without their head coach, Lindsey Whalen, back home recovering from an emergency appendectomy. So get well, Lindsey. Good win for the Gophers, and we'll see if they can build on that from here. As usual, on Fridays, Mark Craig joins me, covers the NFL and the Vikings for the Star Tribune. Last regular season picks segment anyway mark we might do this a little bit in the playoffs as well because those games will have even more significance than week 18 but some some interesting uh games on the docket this week that i want to get to but first off how are you doing well doing well uh one of those games will not be at us bank bank stadium i I can assure you that i was going to say do you agree with kirk cousins assessment wednesday this one's as big as any game they will play no, you do not. I do. I share your um, I share your point of view and not Kirk's point of view. I was a little perplexed by some of the things he said Wednesday or didn't say Wednesday, but 
that's maybe a, a different matter. Let, let's start with this game, even though there's no nothing at stake aside from, you know, just maybe possibly ending the season and, and possibly a tenure on at least a, an upswing. But, you know, as you think about this game, um, you know, broader implications on, on the whole season, not like this game has much bearing on any decisions that are coming, but you wrote about it before this stretch of games, and now that the Vikings have been eliminated, it's it it feels like there's certainly an air of change um, that that's coming coming the way of this franchise. Yeah, you know, I feel that the you know the, the you know the Wills have been extremely patient. Uh, their their strength as owners is uh, you know giving guys all they need to win, and I think they've given them you know uh, over the years have given them, them everything they need to win, and. Um, you know, and I like Zimmer. I like I like Spielman, but uh, it just feels like it's run its course. I mean, it, been been watching this, been observing this stuff since 1991, and even going back before I started covering the league. Um, when it hits a point where it feels like it's the end, it's usually the end, and this has that feeling. And it's uh, it's probably just time for a, a new voice. Now, that being said, if the Wills pull a curveball here and they keep him for another year. Um, that's not to say that they could, couldn't make the playoffs next year. I just think that's a hard sell um, for how things have gone. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of, you can call them excuses or whatever, but they're, you know, this is a hard time for not just Zimmer, but anybody to be fired in the NFL. When you're, you're talking about a, an era where on a Thursday before the Rams game, a big game, you find out that your, your Dalvin cook is got COVID that changes everything. And then follow up a week later, on a Friday, you find out that your quarterback, your only quarterback that's going to give you any chance to win is out. So granted, everyone deals with this, but it's, uh, you know, guys losing their job on that, not just here, but anywhere. It seems kind of, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard thing because the, the, that, that profession, as hard as it was uh, three years ago, has become infinitely harder this year. So, uh, but yeah, it just it feels like a, like a fresh start is needed. That's kind of the sentiment in Chicago as well. So you've got two teams, you know, facing each other Sunday that could be undergoing pretty significant overhauls. It's probably hard to kind of assess what might happen on the field when you're talking about two teams like that. But how do you how do you see those 60 minutes transpiring on Sunday? Well, I, f- I feel like uh, this isn't our first rodeo when it comes to this. It's like it's a tradition like on like no other. It's uh you know, the Bears come to town. Dan Weeder comes back to town. The uh, the Bears and the Vikings play a meaningless game or the Bears and the Lions play a mining, meaningless game. Uh, you know, we've seen it. We saw it in Mike Tice's uh, career ended with a home game against the Bears. And um, there seems to be a matchup that's always here. And, and a lot of times one team or the other is either resting people for the playoffs or they're both out of it or one coach is going to get fired. Well, it looks like two coaches are going to get fired in this in this game. Um, you know, I would think that, uh, you know, depending on how, just how much they know their fate. And I think that they're smart guys. You could see just a wild game where, you know, just anything goes, uh, you know, like this season, it's been disappointing, but it's also been exciting. It's been an exciting year. It's just, they didn't follow. They didn't come out on the winning end of, of enough of these, uh, yeah, I think ESPN did like a rundown of all the, I think it was 32 or 33, walk-off games this year, you know, games that ended on the final play. The Vikings were in like six of them, I feel like, and that, you know, they ranked them all and the Vikings were, you know, on the right end and on the wrong end of a lot of those, uh, a lot of those games this year. So you're right. It was not, it was not for a lack of entertainment. It was more of a lack of consistency 
that plagued this team uh, this year. I think you're right. You could see pretty much anything going in the in that game, but only it's the one out of I think you I think you wrote there's only two games this weekend out of the 16 that don't involve either a team trying to get into the playoffs or a team that's already secured a spot. This is one of those games where neither team has you know anything at stake. You know whether even if, if that's even just like trying to tune up for the playoffs. Um, some much more intriguing games on the schedule, including what we might imagine to be a kind of winner-take-all finale on Sunday night um, between the the Raiders and the Chargers. Correct? Yeah, I mean this is what the NFL dreams about. Uh, you know, they add a week to the season. They they get those thirty-two uh, walk-off games. They get all these one-score games, and then they they wrap it up with a Sunday night game that's basically like a college men's basketball, you know, tournament play-in game. Uh, if the Colts take care of the Jaguars uh, earlier in the day and, and the Chargers Raiders don't finish in a tie, the winner of that game goes to the playoffs. So, yeah, that's this is exactly what the NFL wants, and they got that one game that they could feature in that Sunday night slot. And, you know, just a precursor to 18 games, 20 games, 22, whatever it takes. I mean, they're going to push it. They're going to keep pushing this until um, until they you know can't push it any longer. Yeah, and you know both of those teams have been inconsistent. I think you'll find that with a lot of teams that are you know nine and seven or a little bit above the the five hundred mark. Um, how do you see that game going? I think you know talent wise, the Chargers might have an edge. Raiders though have overcome a lot this year. I mean, we kind of forget that the John Gruden thing was earlier this year, right? I mean that was a major upheaval to an organization and they're, they're still in the mix to the end. Well, and their, their number one draft pick uh, from a couple of years or last year, uh, the receiver rugs, you know, look what happened to him. Yeah. He's sitting in a jail cell somewhere with uh, uh, the felony DUI. Uh, yeah. I mean, and you gotta, it's almost like we, you know, the Raiders have to do a coaching search after this season, but do they really, because you know, that special teams guy came in and, I think he's uh, six and five since uh, the Raiders. I think were three and two when he stepped in, and there's he's six and five. He's kept them in the in the mix. Um, I think the Chargers are probably the more talented team, um, but I picked the Raiders. I, this is where I think uh, you know being in Vegas for a game like this, uh, and, and the Raiders have that powerful fan base. Uh, that uh, you know this is going to be a kind of a fun game to watch, and, and, and I think it favors really favors the Raiders being at home. Yeah, I think that's a good a good way to look at that one. But yeah, I think it's a, it's an intriguing matchup to be sure. And I think uh, some of the other matchups this week kind of are a question of how teams want to approach their, the kind of their entry into the playoffs. You know, screen Bay and arrest a lot of players with, with not much at stake, you know, Dallas, Philadelphia, you know, different teams have different things to play for, but some of them have also kind of locked themselves into what they're, what they're doing. It's kind of this question of, momentum versus you know being fresh i don't know if one particular approach or the other has worked better over the years but uh, you know how, how do you see that factoring into the the slate of games this weekend well i think the packers if they start if they start rogers you know obviously don't play him very long packers probably are looking back to week one where he was that, that team was where they were a little rusty and look what happened to him with the with the saints um but you know, with the toe, you know, the, the most famous toe in the history of the NFL, pinky toe of the NFL uh, might need some rest. Um, you know, I think they play, uh, but not a lot. But, 
yeah, that that is what uh, you know what the teams like the like the the Packers have to deal with year after year after year. And you know, Tony Dungy had to deal with that forever with Peyton Manning and the Colts. And you know, a lot of times it didn't work out for him, uh, or you know, at least half the time it seemed like you know the Colts would they were thirteen and zero, and then they would you know they lost three in a row. Uh, so yeah, it's it's something that uh, that they have to maneuver. But uh, Lafleur is is quickly becoming you know one of the best coaches in the league and. I think Rodgers is crazy. If uh, and I know Tom Brady did it, he left and went to Tampa Bay, but that was the perfect situation. Um, you can't go just anywhere and win another win a Super Bowl when you leave like that. So Rodgers is crazy if he wants to leave Green Bay, but if he does, um, that would be one heck of an offseason to keep a. Uh, if he actually does move on and have some some substance to the news of, of the offseason this coming year, if he actually leaves. Yeah, what is Lafleur like? Thirty-nine and nine in the regular season now. Hasn't it been thirteen and three, thirteen and three, and currently thirteen and three? Yeah, with a chance to go fourteen and three. So, you know, and he and he gets uh, you know to the, to the NFC Championship game two years in a row. Now, you could say, well, last year we had it was a home game, but it was there were no fans. So, uh, to me, that that's a neutral field. Um, and I go back to that Raiders game. If the Ra- actually if the Raiders were in Los Angeles at the Chargers, uh, it would have been a home game anyways for the Raiders. So, either way. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I picked him to win the Super Bowl. I picked, I thought that just by how the off season went, knowing Rogers, his talent, their talent and how they just bring it all together. And they were just going to thumb their nose at uh, all the off season stuff and win it all. And that's, that's how I see it going. You know, I, I think Antonio Brown's antics hurts the, hurts the Buccaneers. Um, so, you know, the Cowboys are capable of, you know, that defense with that pass rush and, and their their takeaways is, is capable of winning, but they have to do it in Lambeau. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how the rest of the playoffs shake out and how that offseason shakes out, because that will have a lot to do with how the Vikings fare next season, even beyond just what they do personnel wise and what they do with their top leadership positions. Because let's face it, if Rodgers is out of the division, um, you know, that stat that you have used many times. And I think you have it in your picks this week about at least four teams that didn't make the playoffs the year before making it the next year that comes in play for the Vikings because that division suddenly becomes up for grabs if, and when Rogers leaves. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, that's 32 years in a row. That's happened. It's amazing. It's a, it's the way that this league is set up is, is, is perfect for that type of situation. And also there's a stat worst to first because the Cincinnati and Dallas both went worst to first where I think it's 16 of the last 18 or 16 of the last 17 years, we've had at least one worst to first. And uh, I don't think anyone in the NFC East has defended since it became, or since they went to the, the extra, uh, the current division format. Uh, I don't know that anybody's repeated in the NFC East. So every year it's something somewhat differently different. So um, yeah, it's, this is not a, you know, you don't need five years to build a winner. You, you, if you pick the right coach and you get uh, in your salary caps right, is in the right <laughs> where you need it to be, and uh, and you get your right free agents and you draft well, you're, you can you can win right away. And you know the Vikings even showed it. The Vikings that that's they were part of that stat every other year during Zimmer's career, except for this year they were the in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, back in it. So uh, what they need, uh, whether it's Zimmer or it's someone else, they need someone to to have the consistency to get in there every single year and knock on the door. 
Yes, they do. And we'll see how that all plays out. Good stuff, Mark. Maybe we'll do this again during the playoffs as well with those increased stakes. And we'll see how um, see how next week's games go. Should be an interesting set of games there as well. Mark, take care. We'll, we'll do this again soon, okay? All right. Thanks, Michael. Not sure how much this has a bearing on the outcome of the Vikings versus Chicago game, but Justin Fields put on the reserve COVID list Thursday. So we will see how that impacts the game field struggled quite a bit in that Vikings bears game on Monday night, a few weeks ago in Chicago that helped keep the Vikings at least at the time in the playoff race. So good, good weekend of games. It's some intriguing matchups, but I think a lot of people really looking forward to the playoffs to see, you know, how those, how that seven team field shakes out this year. Let's finish with the cooler. I just want to bring this up briefly and maybe I'll, I'll, nudge Roycey on this on Monday, but I've barely thought about baseball in the last month um, since the lockout started a little over a month ago. Has been out of sight, out of mind. Normally this would be a time where we're talking about free agency, hot stove stuff. Um, Not a great sign for baseball that that their labor woes right now are not front brain for me. If this was any other sport going through a labor situation, I think I would be very much in tune to it. With baseball right now, I am extremely tuned out. So take that for what it's worth. Maybe you feel the same way. Always love to hear from you guys. So if you have feedback for me on anything about that or anything else, please send it my way. That will do it for today's show. I am Michael Rand back at it Monday with Patrick Royce and a good week of shows to come.